And so, so I got, um, I got, I moved, I moved to Australia in 1981, and uh, I moved there as a, as a single guy. I got reached out to and uh, studied the Bible uh, once a week for a while, and um, that's where I met Mike Fon. My, my, the first Bible talk I went to in Matraville. Uh, Mike, Mike Fontenot was there and a guy called Mike Vasala who leads the Melbourne church and uh, from that point on we studied the Bible I got baptised in 1985 and I've uh, been involved ever, ever since um, I love being a Bible talk leader and uh, God has graciously uh, uh, um, allowed me to uh, have a wonderful family and I've been appointed as an elder which is extremely humble uh, um, so I'm an elder down there in the Sydney Church of Christ with Mike Fono and a guy called Dennis Gouda, who's also a terrific guy. And so uh, it's been really good. But it's been a long journey, and, it's, uh, and we've had a lot of ups and downs. In fact, what I find kind of interesting is just how parallel the, the history of the Sydney Church is to yours. For those of you who've been around a long while, it's uncanny. Uh, the, 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 it's, almost, it's almost lockstep, the, the things that we've gone through and the things that you've gone through uh, it's very, very interesting. I think many churches around the world have gone through some similar things. And so um, I really appreciate the opportunity to preach this morning. And I also want to thank Man- the Forest and Manny for the good work they did in Sydney before they came here, which, is, which really is part of this ongoing process to rebuild. The re- Sydney church really has rebuilt a lot over the years. I think we're going to continue, as you will. And I don't, I don't know if the process ever really ends rebuild, or maybe it just becomes one of building. Yeah, we keep building. We rebuild, then we go on to build. And I think Sydney Church is now at a point where, where praise God, we are really building and building strongly. So, the title of my sermon this morning, Mind the Gap. Because if you don't mind the gap, what happens? You fall in it. Alright? I've been married for 29 years, which uh, is an absolute miracle on my wife's part. Because it doesn't take much for me to not mind the gap. Little things, if you're married in this room, you know what I'm talking about. Little things happen, they just, just irritate, you know. And my wife gets very easily irritated by me, so you understand which way around this is going here. But seriously, I mean, for me, sometimes it can just be, it can be a particular conversation about something not important and there's a certain tone of voice. And all of a sudden I start to feel a bit distant from my wife. I feel a bit distant. And we all know what happens with that. Satan gets involved and then the gap opens up. Perhaps you've got a, you know, a not, not, a not very good boss you, that you're working for in the work situation. You know, perhaps it doesn't really matter what the relationship is or what, what it is, whether it's parents and children, husbands, wives, work situation, but for sure in the church, if we're not careful, gaps open up. And if the gap gets wide enough, then, 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 then it gets too, too great. And I'm sure many of us have felt that, 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 that sense, that emotion, that, what, that whatever that thing is, we say that, that kind of distance starts to happen between you and that other person. Well, the Senior Church of Christ went, went through what I would describe as a leadership crisis many years ago, and much as what happened here, um, I'm actually probably more aware than you might realise about what's happening in the Birmingham church, because my brother Steve and his wife Abella were involved in this church for quite some time, a long time ago, and, uh, and we were in, in contact with each other throughout the time. So I am, I am actually, although, I'm, although I'm, I'm from a long way away, I am fairly, fairly clear on, on what happened here, 
and as I said, very parallel to what we went through in Sydney. It was a very challenging time, and uh, many people got hurt in many ways, and uh, many gaps opened up. One of the things that I've realised, looking back on that, was that that there was a there was a there was a thing that happened, and, and, a, and a direction it went in. But the fact is, all of our hearts were revealed. Whether whether it was a full time leader or not, or somebody who had been in the church for for a long time or not, all our hearts were revealed through that. And I, and I look back now and think, yeah, God God works through those times. We may not like it, but God is working for sure. Anyway, God's been very gracious to us in Sydney, and we've, we've st- for those of us who stuck it out and worked together faithfully, and God has really rebuilt us. And last year, 2017, was it was a fantastic year for the church. Um, by the end of the year, we saw 43 people get baptized. Amen. One person restored, and out of those 43 that were baptized, 15 of them were teens. Oh. Go with the teen ministry. That, that to me is a big deal because one of the things that's on my heart is the future. Yes. And, and, and you know, before I die, I'm, one of the things I really want to see is, is genera- generational, intergenerational change. To see, to see new leaders rising up and continuing the work and the church is growing. You know, I, I look around, when I look around the church on Sunday at Sydney, I saw these young folk like I do here today. All these young people around and it's great to see them willing to serve. I used to look around the room on Sunday and see uh, Matt Ritchie and, 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 and T, T. Whitten serving in the church, work, working with the teen ministry in Sydney. But then they got married and they moved here. <laughs> but you see, that, that, that's what I want to see happen. That, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a math, I'm a high school math teacher now. Okay? Actually, I did work for, I worked for the church full time for four years a long time ago. So I really appreciate the chance I got to work in the ministry full time. It gave me a, a, a good understanding of how the full-time ministry works and what it's about and how important it is. But, but, but to, see, you know, to see people arise and come through, I can't remember, I think Tia became a Christian in the teen ministry. I think Matt was campus, yes. And to see them now, you know, working full-time here is an absolute joy. Um, there's a young, young sister called Monique Jordan. She got baptised, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago, I think, I'm not sure. Smart girl, finished uni, had a, had a, I think it was Deloitte, she had a, yeah, Deloitte, she, got, she was lined up to work for Deloitte. Smart cookie. Well, she, she, she put that aside, she's now working as an intern for the, the Auckland Church of Christ, working for the church full time, and really serving that the church there is going really, really well. Um, I remember some other young man, quite a few years ago, his name's Rob Mulhern, you, I don't know, if his mum, his mum, Jillian, used to be in the, in the London church for quite a while. I have this memory of Rob Mulhern at a teen, teen, this is many years ago, he would have been, I don't know, 13 years old or something, and there was a teen event, there was a Friday night teen event in somebody's house. I'm glad it wasn't my house. Because <laughs> they sat around afterwards, I'd gone over to pick up Ashley, and there's this young fellow, Rob, and what's he doing? He sat there joyfully pegging cheese, you know what cheesels are? The chisel is kind of round, they're a snack biscuit, they're like, they're like a cylinder, and the bright orange, and, and as soon as you touch them, bits come off, everywhere. And he's busy pegging chisels around the room. <laughs> I looked at him and thought, what, what hope is there for you? <laughs> Rob Mulhern got married not long ago to Kate, 
they're now working full time leading the Gold Coast Church of Christ. Shame on me. Now, like a play. Chucking cheese around the room. I bet he doesn't do that now. You see, if we're going to see these great things happen, if we're going to see God's church be what God wants and, and to grow through the generations and really and just really blossom, we've got to mind the gap. We really have got to mind the gap. And there's more to that than meets the eye, unfortunately. It's more of a challenge than we realise. You see, Jesus one day said this to Simon. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I pray for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers and sisters. Strengthen your brothers and sisters. You see, when, when things start to go wrong in, in any relationship, and that gap starts to open up, Satan's there. And he wants to widen that gap. And if he can, he will. And this sifting process is not a pleasant process. It, it, you're probably glad you're a human being and not a piece of wheat. Because it starts off like this. I think I've actually, I've actually been to this place. I'm pretty sure I remember that, the actual location. It's, it's on the outskirts of Nazareth. And they've, got this, they've got this reconstructed first century village. And what they've got there, they've got this flat packed earth area. And what they would do is they would get the wheat they've, they've cut. And, 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 it's all, and the stalk is still there and all the, all the bits and pieces. And they put, put on the ground. And then they've got what's called a threshing sledge. So this thing here, this wooden thing, that's like a sledge. And what they do, they, they, they just go round and round, and what it does is it just it, it, it crushes, it flattens, it, 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 the weight of it presses down and starts to break up. It breaks up all the, the, all the bits and pieces of the wheat, and so the kernel comes loose. So that's the first thing that happens. And then that happens. Then you use, you use a, a winnowing fork to throw it all up in the air, and there's a bit of a breeze blowing, and all the chaff is separated, and what's left is the kernel. So, so Satan wants to sift Peter as wheat. So he wants to run over his life with the, with the sledge to crush it and then chuck it all up in the air and see what happens. That's what Satan wants to do with your life. He wants to run it into the ground, crush it, and, send, and then chuck it in the air and see what happens. But see, if you've got faith... It's going to be all right, all right. And Jesus says, "But I pray for you, Simon, <laughs> that your faith may not fail." And of course, I think Jesus knew well and truly that, say, that, 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 that Peter's faith would not fail. And when he turned back, he would strengthen your brothers. But you know, it's an interesting word in that, that 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 verse. I often overlook. Simon, Simon, sin has asked to sift all of you. Not just Peter. All of you. So if, you're, if your name's not Peter, you're, still not, you're not exempt. It's not just for the Peters of this world. All of you. And that's what he does. And, and, where, and who, is, who, is, who is Satan most interested in? You. The people that have made the decision to make Jesus Lord. Because why would he bother with people out there who don't care about God? Who are who, who not, not showing any interest. They're, they're, they're already where he wants them. You know, we don't have time to look at this, but I did a bit of a study on Job not long ago. And, it, and, and you know the story of Job. 
that Job chapter 1 clearly outlines the spiritual dimension to our suffering that, that it's not just about us that there, there, there's a dimension to, to whatever suffering you go through that involves God and Satan in the heavenly realms and, and, and God actually pointed Job out God said have you seen Job, Satan, have you seen him have you seen what a good guy he is and of course that wound Satan up and he says well I want to have a go at him and God said go ahead and of course Job's got no idea this is taking place at all no forewarning and so, so, and so Satan starts to sift Job, Job's, Job's, Job's life but you know, there's, 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 that, there's that spiritual side to it that, that we, we've got to tune into that and understand that's what's really going on it's not just about us there's something deeper going on here that's of great value to God and I think God knew that Job would not crack it was a very unpleasant time the rest of his, all his children died but, but Job came through with, 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 a, with, a, with a faithful heart I, I don't like that I, that to me doesn't sound very nice to me at all I'd rather but, but it's there I think the reason why the book of Job is there and Job, it, 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 it shows a picture of, of, of a side of life which is very very real whether we like it or not that's how it is so you know when challenges happen in the church we need to mind the gap because if we don't Satan's going to start sifting and God allows it we, you know, th- yeah that's the God we worship he allows Satan to do these things you, you might ask like, well, what's the point of that well the point is that our hearts are revealed through it and if we have faith we will be fine it will all work out okay and then we can grow and we can learn and we can strengthen our brothers and sisters you know as it says in 1 Peter chapter 5 you know, our enemy the devil prowls around looking for, for, uh, as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour there was no, there was no benefit to, for Satan to see Job dead, was there? The only thing that Satan was trying to kill in Job's life was his faith. The only thing Satan wants to kill in your life is your faith. Because if you die, Satan loses. You're going to go to heaven. But you see, if you are sifted and you stay faithful, then you will grow and God can use you. And you're going to do more good things for God. Satan loses. And that's what this is all about. That's what we have so much got to mind the gap. So I've got two short points. Well, one's short and one's a bit longer. We'll go past the sledging thing. My first point, that the thing, one of the things I really learnt in Sydney through those times and still, is, you know, we need to mind the gap. That really involves walking closely with God. We really have to walk closely with God personally if we're going to be part of what's going on to see the church be rebuilt and grow. If you've been around a while, you've heard this before. You know, spending time with God on a daily basis. There's nothing new. Everyone, everyone, if you're in this room, you're going to yeah, 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 that's right. Yes, that's correct. That is correct. Well done, Mike. <laughs> Preach the word, Mike. But the question is, do we? You see, several years ago, I was an interesting meeting. This brother, brother I know, Andrew Kitchen, did some th- did interesting ex- exercise. We were, in, we were in a room full of brothers, and he had us all stand up. If I get this right, the right way around. So he said, "Okay, if you've if you've not had a quiet time at all this month, sit down, because everyone's feeling great." 
We've all had a quiet time this month. Yeah, everyone's standing up, feeling strong. The brothers, the men, yeah. They said, if you've, if you've not had, if you've, if you've not had a quiet time, if you've not had a quiet time this week at all, please sit down. I, I don't think anybody. I think maybe one, one, one embarrassed person sat down. Maybe that. I don't. What you know? We don't really know what person's week is. But generally speaking, we, that's not where we want to be. And so he kept whittling it down. You know, if, you, if you've if you've not had a quiet time, if you've had less than three or four quiet times this week, please sit down. A bunch of guys sat down. If you've had if you've had less than if you've had less than five quiet times this week, by this time half half the brothers in the room sat down. And so when he got down to every day of the week, there's I think I think I blew it. I I'd not had a quiet time that Sunday the Sunday morning before church, but every but. Um, but, but I think it was very few, very few brothers were left standing when he got to every day of the week. See, I, I, don't, I don't think that's good enough. That's not good enough for God. It's not good enough for, for, for Jesus who died for our sins on the cross. It's not good enough if we're going to rebuild the church. It has to be every day. And why stop it every day? Who said, who said you know, I, I, you know many, many Muslims will pray three times a day. Yeah. So I, I work as a high school teacher, so my job is pretty handy in this way. You know, the bell goes lunchtime, so every day I, I stay, I'm in my classroom and I spend some time uh, praying and I read my Bible while I'm having my lunch. And before I go to bed at night, I pray. And you know, it's actually a very hard thing to do. It sounds so simple. But my goodness, where my brain goes and how I can get distracted and then realise I've not done it. I, I, meant, I meant to do that. You, you, you mean to have your quiet time every day, don't you? You mean to do it, and yet it doesn't happen. Well, there's a solution to that. It's very simple. It's called conviction. You've got to keep fighting for it until you get there. Because, because it's not an, this is not an intellectual exercise. That's, you know, intellectually agreement is half the story. The other half is heart. So if we if we intellectually agree with the idea of being with God every day, but we actually we're still not doing it, then in my books that's half-heartedness, and I don't think God, the God of the universe, is interested in half-hearted relationships. You see, even Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went out. To... That's actually quite easy to do in Birmingham because it's dark all the time. <laughs> Dark. <laughs> open the curtain. Eight in the morning. Open the curtains. Dark. <laughs> Four in the afternoon. Dark. So it's dark. But that's not the point is why? Why did Jesus? Because he mattered. You know, God. There was a plan. God had a plan. Jesus. It was a big plan. Jesus had to come to Earth, demonstrate for a few years how we're supposed to live. And then be nailed to a cross and die. That's a big plan. That's why Jesus did it. To stay close to God. The last thing Jesus needed was a gap. He was minding the gap by getting out of bed and praying. My alarm clock is on the wrong side of the bedroom. It's on the far side of the bedroom. When it goes off in the morning, I can't reach it. And I better be quick because my wife's laying there. It goes off. 
And in that, how long does it take me? It's about four steps. It's about like probably two seconds. Those two seconds in my life are crucial. Crucial seconds of the day. Of all the seconds in the day. Because by the time I get to that alarm clock, I know why I'm out of bed. Spend time with God. Because if, if the alarm clock was next to my bed, I get tired. <laughs> I'm always tired. I just hit the snooze button and turn it off. I know, I've tried doing it. It doesn't work. So that's, 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 my, that's my solution. Because otherwise I don't, I, it doesn't happen. But we've really got... We've, whatever, but whatever it takes for you, whatever it takes, yeah. whatever, I don't, whatever your circumstances are, your, 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 your schedule, your life situation, your health, whatever, we've got to figure this out and follow Jesus' example. I believe that was his custom. I don't think that was a one-off. I don't think that verse in the Bible just, just is a, just a, you know, a one-off situation. I think that's what he did and did a lot of. Psalm 145 verse 18. The Lord is near to all. He's near. Closing that gap. Closing the gap. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth. Brothers and sisters, we've got to call, we've got to call on God in truth. Intellectual agreement, that's not truth. Heart, heartfelt devotion to God. Obedient, you know, doing whatever it takes to be close to God. I believe that's truth. And God blesses that. You want to see your church to be rebuilt and, and grow and, and blossom. We've, we've, got to, we've got to be a, a, a community of believers that really is close to God on a day-to-day basis. And God will really bless that. Amen. Be close to God. Second and last point. Mind the gap. Stand, by, stand side by side with your leaders. We learnt a lot about leadership in Sydney over the years. Uh, made many mistakes. Uh, received lots of grace. And we're in a much better place now. We have an eldership. We've got about ten deacons with their wives. One, one of the events of the year that, that I enjoy most now, and we've done it for three years in a row now, we have this, uh, we have this uh, deacons weekend away. And it's a planning weekend. It usually happens in November, where all the deacons and their wives, and the elders and their wives, and all the full-time staff are all there. And uh, we go away for the weekend, and we plan, we pray and plan for the following year. And, and, and the reason I like it so much is not because I like planning. I actually am a bit of a planner. <laughs> I'm always writing lists of things to do. But it's a fellowship. It's such an amazing group of people to be amongst because they're all solid servants for the church. And it's an it's a absolute blast of a weekend away. And I really love it. So we have learnt a lot, though, over the, over the years about leadership. There's some things. This is a great passage about about relationships. In in First Samuel chapter fourteen, verse one. Let's just read that through. Uh, it's about Jonathan and his armor bearer. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, "Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost to the other side." But he did not tell his father. Probably not so great. Although, if you know the background, it was a good idea not to tell him. Uh, Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron, doing nothing. With him were about 600 men doing nothing. Um, among them, then he goes on and on. No one was aware of Jonathan. Verse 4. On each side of the pass, Jonathan tended across. There was a cliff, one named Bozes, the other Senna. One cliff stood to the north towards Migmas, the other towards south towards Geba. Jonathan said to his young armour bearer, young armour bearer teens, by the way, I'm, I'm still young. Okay, I have a young heart, I, I like to think. I know that because sometimes I do really stupid things that I regret. 
Jonathan, Jonathan said to his young man, come, let's go to the outpost of uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or free. Do all you have in mind, his arm bearer said, go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come over then, and this is his great plan. It's a strategic, strategic plan, well thought out, lots of steps. <laughs> come on then, we'll cross over towards them and let them, and let them see us. <laughs> There's no surprise attack planned here. If they say, <laughs> this is just crazy. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be us. What? <laughs> what, kind, what kind of harebrained plan is this? Is, 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 there's Jonathan, he's got his sword and his shield. Did I have a picture? I got a real picture of it, didn't I? Yeah, there. There you go. There's the picture, okay? There's a... Um, on a, on a cave painting, on a, on a somewhere, no, it's not. <laughs> so he's there, with his shield and his sword, and he's got his armor bearer. Sorry, and the armor has got the shield, and he's got his sword. The two of them, and they, they've got to climb hand and foot up this cliff to where there's a whole bunch of Philistines waiting for them, ready. <laughs> what, what on earth? What, what kind of plan is that, Jonathan? Well, it's really a crazy plan. But, I don't know, what, 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 would, what would have possessed the armour bearer to say, go ahead, I'm with your heart and soul? <laughs> was, it, was it Jonathan's awesome planet? Is <laughs> this strategy? There's no, but by the way, there's no bluff here. It wasn't like, wasn't like Jonathan had, had 50 men on the other side ready to come in from behind. No, this was it. This was it. I don't actually know. All I can think is that is the armor bearer was just really flat out inspired by Jonathan's faith. That the armor bearer could see what was going on. There's King Saul standing under the tree, the pomegranate tree, with his 600 men doing nothing. And it's a mess. And the kingdom, guess what, needs rebuilding. And Jonathan was a rebuilder. Not, Jonathan was not a sit arounder, he was a rebuilder. Jonathan's armor bearer was not a sit arounder. He was a rebuilder. And they went up and we know what happened. God brought about an amazing victory. Incredible victory. But the thing that I wanted to... to, to well, the thing that got me thinking was that... You know, Jonathan as the leader... Took great risks for God. He led the way. Crazy plan, but he led. The armour bearer... Took great risks for God... Because he followed... And death was on the line just as much for both of them. Just as much for both of them. I, I also think, and I, I hope you see this too, but my, my, this is my view of the Old Testament, alright? My view of the Old Testament is these, these are events. They're not, they're not stories to look at and go, oh, that's amazing, and then go off and have a cup of tea. These are, these are events that I, I have to look and say, where am I in this story? Who, is, who, is, who does God want me to be in this story? If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ in this room right now, you're either an armour bearer or a Jonathan. There's, no, there's nothing else. That's my conviction. And you may be both. I'm, I'm both. Because as a Bible taught leader, I'm a Jonathan. Jonathan. 
I leave, I leave my Bible talk. But, but I, I firmly have a, I have a deep conviction I so much want to be an armour bearer for the full time staff. That I'm with them side by side. Here's the thing. If, 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 if the armour bearer said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right behind you, Jonathan. I'm right behind you. What kind of use is an armour bearer if he's behind? <laughs> That doesn't work. I'm sorry. Jonathan doesn't need that. He needs side by side. Side by side. No gap. There was no gap between Jonathan and his armour bearer. There was no gap in their heart. No gap in their faith. No gap in their, their conviction. No gap in their devotion. And no gap in the danger they faced. No gap. Side by side. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ this morning in Birmingham, you're either an armour bearer or you're a Jonathan. And if you're neither of those, it's time to repent. Because what I know happened in Sydney is, is that's what it took to, to really rebuild the church. was to be side by side with our leadership. Oh yes, we'd had lots of problems with leadership before that, but we were not going to let be frozen by the past. We were not going to let the past stop us from moving forward. Gosh, I mean, if you're in this room and you're married, I, I wonder if anybody could put their hand up in this room right now and say you've never had a hiccup or a problem or upset in your marriage. I know there's a young couple over there being married a very short time. And I just saw, I saw Lawrence's arm starting to go up, but Vicky pulled it down because last night... Sorry, sorry, Lawrence. Come on, we, we've all, you know, parents. Hands up if you've never had an issue with your, with your children. Teens, have you? No, I'm not going to ask you. You don't get asked. I know what, I've got a teenage boy right now, and I know, I know that the trouble I have with him and what he thinks about me some of the time. He's always wrong, I'm always right. That's not true. But you see, that's the truth, isn't it? I mean, we, 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 it's, it's like, let's, let, let's learn from the past. Let's learn and move forward. But to move forward, we've got to be close. We've got to mind those gaps. You know, we've got to be, we've got to be side by side with our leadership if we're really going to rebuild and regrow. How is your relationship right now with your leaders in this church? What's your relationship with them going to be like in 2018? Are you standing side by side with them in every way? Jesus said, oh, we'll through that one. Jesus said, again, should I tell that two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. But that, that's not talking about just being together on Sunday for church. That verse in here, when I look this up in the Greek, where it talks about being, being, being gathered, the word, the word used in the Greek originally for this word gather was, was a word, the, the, the word there, synagogue, which it obviously, well I think, that where the, the, the Jewish people get the word synagogue from. So the word synagogue has become a word that means a gathering place. But that's not what it originally means. It's not about the place, it's not about the building, it's about being together in your heart. It's about heart level devotion to one another. To bring together, to collect, to gather as grain, for etc. 
collectors and assembly past to receive with kindness hospitality it's, 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 it's a deeper thing it's, it's, it's a closeness it's an affinity it's Jonathan and his armour bearer together is what it's about and, and so we need to be that way with, with the leadership God's provided you know are you side by side you know is a, the leadership plan things that's what leaders do that's what part of their job they plan a midweek service are you there I mean if you're sick in bed you can't be there you can't be there but, but if you can be there, side by side, well, we'd be there, wouldn't we? Why would I not be there? Why would I not be there? What, because I'm tired? Is that, wow, I'm sure Jesus got tired a lot of the time. We know he did, he says so in the scriptures. If the church takes a contribution, if it's on, am I giving? Uh, Scott spoke about this last week at, uh, in, in the service. Encouraging folks to give. Side by side. I mean, if you're not giving generously to the work of, to God's work in the church, you're not side by side. If you're not giving at all, wow, that's serious need to repent. Because that's shameful, I think, in the eyes of God. Where do I get that from? The poor widow in the temple. What did she have to give? Two small copper coins. It's written in the scripture. That's all she had. You know, she really was poor. It's kind of interesting to me that she didn't say, I'll give one coin. Two coins, she gave both. What was she going to live on the next day as a widow back then? I have no idea. But God saw it, and God was impressed. And she's written in the Bible. <laughs> wow. We, we, you know, we, we can't, these things are really important. We've got to be armor bearers. Or Jonathan's, or both. But there isn't, there is no, there is, there is no other place to be in God's kingdom. That's just how it is. When we got baptized, we said, "Jesus is my Lord." What well, is the Lord of your wallet? Is the Lord of your life? Lord of everything. And if not, if we don't want that, what, 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 what are we doing? It is intense. But it's, but it's glorious. It's, 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 it, it, it can be scary, but it's like, I'd rather be here than out there in the world. Team Diva. There's a Team Diva one. Well, most of the teens are going to need parents to get involved to get them there. You know, if a Team Diva's on, hey, my teens are going to be there. Whatever it takes. Why? Because I'm side by side with the leadership. You know, Sydney's... Sydney's uh, a, a very spread out city quite a, few of the, quite a few of the teen parents have to drive their kids well over an hour well over an hour in one direction to get their teens to Teen Devo and they have Teen Devo every Friday night of the, of the month apart from one and many of these parents car their kids around every Friday night to get them to Teen Devo that's commitment but <laughs> But look what happened last year. 15 teens got baptised. You see, it's a group. The thing is, what, what we've learned in sin is a side-by-side thing. We're, we're a collective. We're a group together. The team ministry can't run that well if we don't have team leaders. And it can't run that well if the, team, if the parents don't get the teens there. The end result is salvation. 15 teens baptised in one year. I think we're going to have over 50 teens in the team ministry this year coming up. 
it's really stretching. I, I, we, have, we have this meeting and, and, and Will Thorne, who looks after the team, over, oversees the whole ministry with his wife, Chelsea, and he's, he's scratching around trying to find more team leaders to help out. And so, he, so he's, he puts the call out, and of course then there's the single ministry, and they say, no, 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 you can't have any more singles because we need them. <laughs> and, and there's this kind of thing going on, and I'm sort of thinking, this is an awesome problem to have. Yes. Yeah. That we're stretched. Yeah. That we're stretched. You're stretched. And, that's, and it will always be that way, which is why we've got to stand in the gap. That's why we've got to be side by side with the leaders, because your life makes that much difference. Don't ever think it doesn't. I can't, I can't believe what I'm doing now, my involvement. Well, as a young disciple, I'll never forget that when, when Mike Vassalo first asked me to lead a Bible talk, I could not have stood up here. I was super insecure. I used to catch the train to work in Sydney, and then these old trains, and you get, you get on either end. All the seats faced one way. Sometimes I get after work, I get on the train, I get on the wrong end. I get on like this. Everybody's looking at me. Couldn't handle it. I got off. I get off the train and go around and get on the back. So I was at the back. So I'd be stood stood at where Walter's right now. I'm not sure why Walter's stood. There. <laughs> he's got his arms folded. I've obviously said something he's not happy about. No. No. Just joking. Well, Walter's a great guy. Amen. But he's a deacon in the church now. Amen. I'm fighting for you, Walter. But I couldn't handle it. I was that insecure, that nervous around people, that, that lacking in people's skills. I mean, you couldn't get much less people skills than what I had. But I couldn't handle it, I just couldn't do it. God's amusing. I've spent the last 15 years working as a high school teacher. So what, where am I every day? Like this. <laughs> all these people looking at me all the time. Yeah, thank you. I, I thank God for that. My point is what we, we, you can learn, you can grow. Yeah. It's going to be scary. It was scary for Jonathan the Outbearer, but look what happened. It's going to be scary times in your life, but look what happens. We can't afford to back away, because you back away, you don't mind the gap, gap opens up, you fall in. And the church gains nothing. But seriously, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, you know, this is how it fits together. Leadership plan, thi- leadership plan things side by side. Be with them. Do your very best. Whatever, whatever your best is. Your best is, everyone's best is different. But, but you know in your heart where you're at. And, we gotta, we, and, and I know it for myself, I've always got to be pushing, pushing my selfish nature, pushing my sinful nature aside, pushing my sinful nature aside so I can keep that gap closed. You know, just, just really wrapping this up, um, my, my relationship with Mike Fondo has changed a lot over the years and it's gone all over the place and uh, Mike, Mike's you know, you, you know most, I think most of you know Mike Fondo and if you don't he's, he's the lead evangelist in Sydney now and, and he looks after the whole region and he's, he's well known throughout many parts of, of our movement around the world and, uh, and he's, he's God started most of the congregations in the South Pacific through him he's very driven he's very passionate he's always on the go he's always got things happening and, and as a younger disciple, I, would, I found myself very intimidated around him. And like many, many leaders with that kind of drive, not always super sensitive. <laughs> Is that okay to say, Mandy? <laughs> but you see, my problem was that I was already Mr. Insecurity anyway. 
Right? Put that together, what do you get? I, I've had to really work at my relationship with him and stay close and mind that gap because I can very see, well, I'm, I'm not like him. You know, I, don't, I can't do what he does. You know, I'm, I'm, you know I'll, just, I'll just stay in my little corner here, in my little neck of the woods and do my own thing here and just kind of, you know, say hi to him on Sunday, but, but I've not done that. I ring him up, I initiate, I get time, I talk. And, and there's been many times where he's given me input in my life, which I've not liked at the time, but has always been very helpful. And, uh, and, the, and the number of times where it's not been great, wow, you know, I, 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 I'll, I'll put up with that, because what I gain, what I gain from being close to faithful, strong leaders that, that inspire and help me lift my game has been fantastic. And I do believe a lot of, you know, part of where I am now as an elder with a faith, faithful daughters and son is a lot to do with, with that. Don't, you know, make, make, stay close to your leaders. Stay close to your Bible taught leader. Stay close to your, to, to your team leaders. Stay, you know, but, 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 but do that. Do it for God. It's a challenge, but we need to stay, we need to stay side by side with, with, with our leaders. And in closing, the, ch- the, churches have more, the churches have far greater value to God than most of us realise. Something's going on there that we don't get to see. That verse reminds me of Job. There's something going on in Job chapter 1 and throughout Job that we, we don't get to see. It's a bigger picture. If Satan can get you focused on you more and more, then you simply, as a human being, you simply can't focus as much on the church. Simple as that. You're either going to focus on yourself and your problems, or you're going to focus on God. Let's, let's really be a, let's be a church here in Birmingham that, that really walk closely with God. Let's be a church that, that stands side by side with our, our full-time leadership so that the church can really be rebuilt the way God wants. And that you'll experience here what we're experiencing in Sydney now, which truly is to God's glory. Amen. Amen.